0: Welcome to another episode of the Your Home Buying Guide podcast. This is your one-stop shop home buying guide, where every week I'm going to bring in industry experts to answer all of the most common home buying questions. I'm your host, Guide DePosito, and this week we are joined by Linda Hafner of Erichy e Realty, covering the Worcester area. And Linda, I want to start this off letting you brag about yourself for a little bit. So tell us about you know how long you've been a realtor, why did you decide to become one?
1: Oh, well, that's nice. Hi, Guy. Thanks for having me. So I have been a realtor coming up on eight years now, full time. I used to do it part time. I dabbled in it a long time ago. I realized trying to do it part time didn't work. So I figured I would get out of it until I was able to completely devote myself full time. So for the past eight years, I have been full time. And the whole time I've been at ERAP, which is a local company in Central Mass. We do a lot of transactions in Central Mass. And I love what I do. I got back into it when I made a purchase of my dream home. And it was a very stressful. It was just unbelievable. It was so awful. And I had nightmares. I, I swear, I had nightmares for five years. I kid you not. And it was so bad. I thought to myself, I have to get back into this business and help people so they don't have to go through what I went through. And I felt so much joy in my life from what from achieving my dream home that I really wanted to give that gift to other people. So I have like a huge passion about this. Like I feel like where you live, it's your home, it's your everything, you know? And so I put all of my energy into that because I know how good that is in your life and how, what a difference it makes in your life.
0: So I actually funny enough started because of the complete opposite experience. Really? I had, I had such a good experience with my loan officer that I wanted to make sure I could provide something similar. Uh, I was I was actually in business oh. finance. I was I was in the you know finance world if you want to call that. But it's funny like I bought my house and my loan officer was incredible. Like I could reach out to him. I'd text him. I'd call him all hours of the day, and he was back to me so quickly and. It, yeah, I just I I loved what he was able to do for for me and my now wife, buying our house, and I was just like, if I can do something like that and provide some sort of service that someone's gonna yeah. enjoy, it, it's it's gonna be great. So yeah, very different experience, I guess. Yeah. What made your experience so bad? Why was it such a nightmare?
1: Oh my gosh! I used a non-local lender. That that was to start it all off. Okay, trying to get an an extra low rate. And they made me all kinds of promises that we were going to have a certain close date. I was selling my house and buying at the same time. Well, my house closed. And after my house closed, they let me know that we weren't clear to close on my next house. So I was basically left homeless and had to beg the seller of my now house, you know, if he would let us live there. And it it goes on and on. And then he just got oh, it, it. It's so it's such a long story. And then he discovered that he didn't want to give me all of his land because. The land that he had wasn't enough, so we wanted to take some of my land that went with the house. And I'm like, no, you can't take some of my land with my house to make your other lot work that was next to us. Yeah. So it was just a very convoluted situation. And, and yeah, and it, it sure. was a very...
0: Not what, you, not what you want when you're going through an already complicated process. So no, until- and I
1: learned my lesson then always to use a local lender. And Why that not? is what, what I do. Yeah, because... You know, I was just shopping around trying to get the lowest rate possible, trying to make this happen. And I didn't understand at that time because I wasn't an active real estate agent at the time. Yeah. I was a stay-at-home mom at that point. And, and I didn't realize how much of a difference that makes. You know, I do now. And now I yeah. give firsthand experience to that, you know, to my yeah. people. It,
0: I, I've talked about that on this podcast, too. Everyone, like, just assumes that rate is the only important thing when it comes to right. Just It's not. Right. Uh, But but switching gears. So you've obviously had a lot of experience as a real estate agent. You said eight years. You've had great experiences. You've had bad experiences so far. Mm -hmm. What do you think you do better than every other realtor out there?
1: I am unbelievably responsive. Like when someone texts me and it's so funny too because we're doing this podcast and someone just texts me and it's very difficult for me not to pick up my phone and, and respond to them. So because we have a closing delay issue going on. And so I literally, when someone texts me, I will pick up my phone and respond to them right away and say, hey, you know, here's what's going on. So, I mean, your ability, accessibility to me, which I think is huge because so many people don't take that seriously enough. To me, I don't like to wait to hear back about something as big as the sale of my house. I want to know what's going on. You know, I don't want to be left in the dark. So that is is huge for me. And I am also, I'm just so passionate about what I do. And I'm a real go-getter. So I don't sit back and wait for things to happen. I go and I contact the lender. Hey, what's going on with this loan? Are we good to close? Is this all set? Are we ready to, you know, I I tend to follow up with things a lot and keep track of the transaction the entire time. And plus the fact that, I mean, I, I am involved in 25 to 30 transactions per year and has been probably the whole eight years that I've been back to full time. Well, that's a lot of transactions. So I've had a lot of things happen and know how to prevent it now. (laughs) You know, so I feel like that's a huge gift that I have and a huge gift that I can give. I I tend to prevent problems before they happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, honestly, for me, that's kind of a thing that I hold my hat on to is being able to... Proactively reach out control right. situation. Yeah, because uh, again, I mean, even if it goes back, like right back to the the first statement I said today, like I got into this business because of my loan officer being super responsive. So I've kind of built my entire business off of that methodology, and and it's not just the buyer's agent. I think a lot of loan officers kind of focus on keeping the buyer's agent happy, like they don't want to lose a deal over it. But you know, there have been a lot of situations where I'm calling at every step of the the way, talking to the seller's agent, making sure that everybody that's part of the transaction is in the.
1: Yeah. Right. It's so, the community it's so important. There are yeah. so many different people involved in getting yeah. a house closed and getting it not, I mean, getting an accepted offer. I always tell you when that's the easy part, you know, yeah. I and mean, getting, getting an accepted offer, that's nothing. It's getting from the accepted offer all the way to closing. There are so many steps. There are so many people involved and keeping everyone on track and doing their job and making sure everything actually gets done in the time period. It needs to get done so you don't have to reschedule movers and, you know, do all of that. That is, you know, that's huge. That I'm I'm really, really on that every step of the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to I wanted to have you on because you've been you work with a lot of sellers. Yep. Right? You already said like 25 to 30 transactions every year for the last. So you've done you've been doing this for a long time yeah. in a low inventory market like we're seeing. And again, things are starting to slowly shift. Yeah. Uh, we've been in a, a pretty low inventory market for a while. So what strategies do you recommend for sellers to really make their property stand out in today's market?
1: Well, the most important thing right out of the gate is you have to price it right. You know, I think sellers have gotten a little bit on the greedy side and wanted to go a little higher than I think, you know, kind of testing the market. But that unfortunately never works because any buyer who can afford your home and sees it price high tends to avoid looking at the house altogether. So I think number one is pricing it correctly for the market. And that takes a lot of, you know, analyzation and, and really reviewing the active properties and sold properties. So that takes a lot of research. That's number one. But then in addition to that, really making your home look as, and this is going to sound weird, but not lived in as possible. They don't want to see that you live there. They want to see what it's going to be like for them to live there. And I feel like a lot of sellers don't get that. They think, well, you know, they got to understand that we live here. It's like, no, they don't understand that. They want it to look not lived in and they want it to look like they can see themselves living there. And they can't, buyers don't have that vision. So we have to do it for them. So, you know, my biggest thing is clean, 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 clean. I mean, it has to be sparkling. Like look off the floor, you know, I mean, really clean. It just, that makes such a difference. When someone walks in a house and they see it's dirty, they automatically assume you don't take care of the rest of your house and they automatically do not want to give you as much money for your house. So that that's huge. in when you're trying to get top dollar for your house. Is cleanliness, and that along with that goes the whole decluttering thing. Get rid of all that extra stuff. You're moving anyway. Pack it up. Put it in boxes. You know, put it in storage. Put it in the basement or, you know, an attic or tuck it away somewhere. But get so, rid of extra stuff.
0: Yeah. So two different, like major things, right? I'll, I'll lump in staging and cleaning as kind of one there. So yeah. pricing and then the staging side yeah, as far as the pricing is concerned, I think this is the I think this is the one that a lot of people kind of focus on when they're talking about this. Do you err on the side of caution and tend to list a little bit lower and hope for a bidding war or are you trying to nail the price on the head?
1: For so the sellers who will agree to that, I do because I notice that every time I do go slightly below, I end up getting way more offers. So it always works, but a lot of sellers won't go for it. They're, they're, they're too, their own, you know, contents can't let them do that. Like they can't get pat, past the point of thinking that because they're lo- doing it low, that means they're going to get that or lower. And they can't see that in actuality, they are going to get significantly higher than that list price. So it's just, and that is a, a, a normal, constant struggle I have with home sellers. I love them dearly and I understand it because I'm a little, i'm a homeowner i'm i own my home i don't want to give my home away no one wants to give your home away but we're not giving it away we're just enticing more people to come visit your home more people to come have the motivation to come see it and that stimulates more activity more showings more interest more offers more money
0: (laughs) yeah i think i think a lot of it's kind of a pride thing right and like for someone someone like me and you like we're Yeah. Whether or not you want to call me in the business or not, I would consider me in the business. But for people that aren't in the business, they they think they have an idea of what their house is worth. And they might not be wrong. But when you price something lower, you're also in a position where you're probably going to get that in today's market because of just how little inventory there is. You're going to have people at the open houses, even with interest rates being where they are. You're not having a lot of hosts that are constantly sitting on the market, right? So pricing it lower, right. you're going to drop people in with that. You're still going to end up getting over asking more than likely.
1: It's an attraction magnet almost every yeah. time, you know. Yeah. But I mean, most of the time, uh, in, in all honesty, most of the time I price it right at market value. I just, I don't go high. And sometimes that means I lose the lifting because some agents, unfortunately, the way they market themselves is they, li- they make promises of high lift prices And the seller, even though the house doesn't sell for that, they get the listing because they promised a a number that isn't realistic. And I'm not going to do that. I haven't had enough. Like my credibility is very important to me. And I'm going to give you the straight facts. I'm going to tell you what you price, what, what the, what the, the range that you're going to get is. And we're going to hope for the absolute best and do a marketing strategy that works best. And also it is also going to depend on the house. I mean, the house that is the pristine, this works a lot better with house that needs a lot of work. I may, you know, change my technique a little bit. You know, it, it it really is a personal thing that I vary my technique based on the house, based on the condition, based on what it needs. So it's not a one size fits all type of a
0: thing. Yeah, I say that all the time. It's completely different for every person. That's that's the pricing side. So on the the other side that we just talked about, staging cleaning. Right. Are there any specific like home improvements or staging techniques that can enhance a property's appeal to that potential buyer?
1: So I think my my general idea is, you know, to remove like a third of the furniture from every room, remove two thirds of every closet belongings and if you possibly can. You want whatever buyer is looking at your home to not see so much stuff that they feel like it's too full and that there's not room for them. I think yeah. the majority of buyers want to see, you know, less is more when you're selling your house. So if you, the more things you can get rid of and the emptier the rooms seem, the bigger they're going to seem. And it's just going to be, you know, much better whether you're a small house or a big house. It's always better to have that room and that availability for people buyers to envision their life in your home
0: yeah yeah i mean like you said earlier it's all like can they picture themselves there and i think i mean for me and my wife storage was a huge concern going yeah the buying process and like we were coming yeah. from an apartment so it's not like we had a a ton of stuff but for people that are coming from you know a home that's been lived in they're carrying over a significant amount of stuff that they need place. Sure. so yeah. storage storage is kind of a huge issue and if you're cluttering everything it doesn't look like you have as much storage as you might actually have
1: right right yeah. and they, if they if they don't see the space they think there's not enough space you yeah. know it, it so that that i think is absolutely the huge that really really a huge piece and and it, and, it, and it's unfortunate because it usually involves a lot of work on the seller's part you know it, yeah. it does but the thing is, is they're moving anyway so you have to put it in your perspective that if they're going to be moving anyway, why not start packing away some of it now? And that's the way I like to term that to make it seem like not so much to work.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. We've seen a lot of people that have been pretty creative with offers at this point, just because of how challenging it is to actually get a house with the inventory. Yeah. How are you working with sellers to evaluate and, I guess, negotiate back on those offers that are coming in?
1: as a list agent my seller is most interested in the quickest paths to closing So they want the smoothest quickest path to closing with the highest price that's what every seller wants they want it quick easy and they want it uh, profitable you know so if you are a buyer you need to evaluate your offer based on that terms based on those terms so this is why cash offers tend to be the first ones accepted because there's no appraisal involved you don't have to wait for an appraisal the closing is quicker it's a short thing you know and then the conventional loans tend to be much easier to you know guarantee a closing depending on the condition of the house because they don't have as many evaluations set on that so so those are some of the things and then a quicker closing date, You know, obviously, every seller wants no home inspection, but that isn't practical for a buyer. So, I mean, but if they can at least maybe say, "Okay, we want home inspection, but, you know, we won't ask for any changes in the offer price unless we find something over $10,000 worth of work needed or something like that. So putting a limit on what their request will be after the home inspection is... Very favorable to a seller, and definitely a seller is going to feel more comfortable accepting that kind of offer. You know, if you're in a competitive situation.
0: Yeah, I think this is so important for potential buyers to also hear. When yeah. you talk about when you talk about like easy closes, yeah. one of the things that Cross Country does really well, like I've been doing this a lot with my clients, is we have a fast track credit approval. And Great. what that's doing, we're essentially taking every document that we would actually request during the underwriting process, uh-huh. getting that up front. And it's going through an entire underwriting cycle. So, so we have like a legitimate clear to close with some of these offers. So instead of just giving like that qual letter that goes that's attached to the offer, like we're legitimately going through all of underwriting and that's saying awesome. this house at this price point. Yes. Yeah. rate. you're going to be you're, you have your clear to close. So we can have a clear to close in a couple of days after the yeah. offers once we have everything confirmed. So I think when you have, you know, when you're talking about easy closes, having a loan officer that's going and putting in the work up front is going to significant. It's going to put you towards the top of that list because it's yes. significantly different walking in was, versus that yeah. already. Yeah,
1: definitely. As long as you have an agent who communicates that to the list agent. And that's an an important part, too. You know, that pre-approval means nothing unless the buyer agent really pushes that with the list agent and makes it very clear what that means. Because most list agents without it won't necessarily understand that.
0: Unless, unless you have a really good loan officer that reaches out to the list agent and explains.
1: Oh, very no. true. I mean, exactly. Uh, no. And
0: that's, that's truly. kind of where I, that's where I put a lot right. of my insist. Cause it's like, I don't, honestly, I think once an offer is submitted and accepted, the yes. realtor's job should be done. And like, I, I know that's not always the case. No. <laughs> I know that's not always the case, but from my standpoint, like you've done a lot of the, a lot of the hard work, the heavy lifting. Like, it should be the loan officer's job to communicate with list agent, seller's agent, attorneys, appraisers. And that's kind of where I focus a lot of my energy. Like, once an offer is accepted, I try to take over all of that communication. So it's just a... It, it really depends on who you're working with. Right. Uh, I'd say find yourself a, a loan officer that will, yeah. will that make the phone calls. Yeah. Uh-huh. So as far as the market goes, like, we're, we've we seen a little bit of a shift Recently, so what is your perspective on kind of the long term outlook for real estate in your area, like the Worcester area in particular? Yep.
1: Well, I think Worcester is going to continue to keep growing because Boston area is just so expensive. I I think that I am finding more and more people from the Boston area are migrating out our way and looking for homes in this area, which has been wonderful. You know, I love. I've loved it. And we're much more affordable here. Our taxes are lower here. There's a lot of really good benefits to our area. And I think, you know, Central Mass, as well as just all real estate in general, I, I think the bottom line is that there are way more people than there are houses and places to live. And I don't see this housing crisis going away within probably at least 10 years. I mean, I don't see it. This situation changing for a very long time, you know, if ever, I mean, there's always more and more people yeah. and, and, and the housing situation is what it is. There's just not enough. It's, and I think this is why we're at that point of unaffordable, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to change. I think it is going to be a lot harder to afford buying a house. First time home buyers who don't already have home equity, you know, in in a home that they can apply to their next home
0: yeah and that's honestly why it's super important to just try and get involved as soon as you can because yeah are still gonna appreciate Just
1: it. get get it in get your get something it doesn't have to be your ideal house just get a home so you can start building equity and you can use that equity to get the home that you want i feel like too many people want that perfect home you're not going to get the perfect home right now you just not. you're gonna have to make a lot of sacrifices Because there just aren't many people selling. So get a home that's halfway decent, plan on living in in it for a couple of years, make your money, take that money and then move up and keep doing that until you reach the house that you eventually is your dream home. You know, I think it's just going to be a longer process,
0: you know, a couple couple of weeks ago, I, I did an episode on like the cost of waiting. And a lot of it, I feel like a lot of people that I talk to, I work with a lot of first time buyers because that's just kind of the age group that I'm in also. Right. And a lot of them are like, I'm sitting down having these conversations and they're rattling off their, their dream list. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, I I want all of these things for you. Yeah. In, in today's market where there's not a lot on the market and Interest rates are a little bit higher, which means you don't qualify for as much as you might have originally thought. Right, right. I, what are the what are the mandatory things? What do you need in a house? Because some of these dream house scenarios, it's great and like it's possible for you, but it might not be possible for you right now. Right, right. So it you just need to get started. I think that's the the biggest thing in this industry. It's just the earlier you can buy a house. The earlier you start building equity
1: i agree And i agree with that and i i, I hear so many people oh they're gonna wait until this and wait until that and i'm like oh it's like you're losing money by the moment you know because again interest rates you can refinance it you know it, it, and and you hear that a lot lately oh it's it's and it's not I'm not thing it's easy to refinance but it's easier than paying 50 or 60 or seventy thousand over asking for a house and that will always be something that I, I will stick with because I know what it was like. And, you know, right before the interest rates went up, it was a mad dash to get a house. And my yeah. buyers had to pay 80,000 over asking just to get in a house, you know, and I, it's going to take them years to make that up. Whereas yeah. refinancing, it, 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 you no, know, you can make it up quickly. So yeah. people just can't get over that. They can't get over that hump of, of that high interest rate. It, it just freaks everybody out.
0: I know and it's it's too bad too because when you look at refi I mean you you just said it's not easy it can be pretty easy to refinance again I think a lot of it comes down to the team that you're working with right there are, there are a lot of scenarios like if you're going into refinance like there again with me working with a lot of first time buyers they're also paying PMI there are a lot of scenarios where we're refinancing dropping the interest rate, which autom- which automatically is lowering their mortgage payment, right? But yeah. they're also getting rid of PMI, which is dropping their mortgage payment even lower. So I think, so oh, I think if you have a team, you- yeah, exactly. Like if you have a team around you that knows what they're doing, that is right, keeping an eye on the market for you, right? Like I always say, like once the loan closes and that person is officially a homeowner, like that's the start of my job. Like I, I, really want to be there for the next thirty years, and making sure that if the market shifts, I'm there telling them that it might be a good time to refinance. Yeah, this isn't something that the buyer should need to focus on. So I'm kind of like my right. job starting after that loan closes, which I I don't know. It's just a I guess a mentality shift from yeah. It's a lot of loan officers out there, but I don't know. I feel like that's that's really good advice for buyers, sellers in today's market. On the flip side of that, I always like to end all of my interviews like asking this question. It's just out of like genuine curiosity. But what is the best piece of advice that you were ever given in your career?
1: So from my perspective, the best real estate advice that I got was from my real estate coach who basically told me to that in order to be successful in this business, that I have to do it my way. And these were things that I was leaning to anyway. I can't necessarily listen to my brokerage in their ways, the the, the ways that they suggest. I have to figure out for me what works for me. What works for me is social media. I, you know, I love doing the little videos. I love educating people. I love reaching a lot of people and educating as many as I can. And Social media is the best way to do that. You know, I can impart a lot of great tips through my Instagram and TikTok and my YouTube channels that I otherwise wouldn't be able to. So for me, you know, I'm more focused on my business in that area than I am. I'm not I'm not the type of person who's going to pick up a cold call. I don't like getting cold calls. So I'm certainly not going to be the person who does one. Do you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) I I do I get it.
1: So that so that, that's that's that was the best thing of advice because I feel like there was so many real estate agents out there who are just like tell me what to do tell me what to do tell me what to do and it's like no you need to listen to what works for you what matches your personality be who you are you know bring who you are into your business and I feel like I my business I hope to attract. The people who like me i want to work with people who like me and know who i am before i even begin and if yeah if they don't like me it never works well in the because i mean i'm working with these people for two months talking to them every day in <laughs> all so we have to have a good relationship so you know that's the great thing about being on social media so much is they know who i am before a lot of times before they even sign the, the paperwork
0: yeah yeah i think that is Pretty spot on for for me as well because I I don't I don't follow the traditional mortgage loan officer template either. I've been doing this podcast like I'm very heavy on social media as well. Like that's yeah that's how I market myself. Yeah, I, am I too. picking up and still like actively reaching out to people? Sure, not as right. much. Majority of the business, so I, I definitely understand and appreciate that for sure. But that's where we're going to wrap things up. Linda, I appreciate you hopping on here. I think there's a lot of really good information for people that are selling their homes, but honestly, buying as well. So I appreciate you hopping on.
1: Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Guy. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. We'll have to sit down at some point soon. Next time I'm out in the Worcester area, we'll make sure to sit down. Well, I will let you go. That is all for this week, guys. Again, I am Guy Deepalcedo with Cross Country Mortgage. Have a great day. We'll talk soon.